You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Well, it's uh, episode 302 of the New Utah Podcast, and we are all back together in the studio. You guys might not know that, because we pre-recorded some shit while these guys were gone. Um, it's like magic. It is magic. We're, we're maybe going to do it again. Um, We've done it a lot. That's how we produce a new episode, brand new content every week for your listening pleasure. For almost six uh, years. With with no repeats the whole time. So, um, yeah, we're, uh, we're glad to be here. I, it's been a... A lot of weird back and what the fuck's going on over there? Julia's, Julia's watching forgot. something on her phone. So, someone, My she, phone started ringing yeah, and it wasn't turned off. So, someone's got their phone on. It was a spam. Risk. No one heard it but me, and it's distracting. No, I heard it. Well, I mean, none of the audience probably. Your light heard is it. distracting. <laughs> yeah, I, I your little police light that's right <laughs> in the corner of my eye this is uh that was a prize from the cruise ship thank Disco you very ball. much that was a uh, i won that in the arcade on the cruise ship it's a major award it's a major award i actually gave it to the cat and then phoebe put it in her mouth and i was like oh, you can't fucking have that you'll like die from swallowing batteries or something so um yeah a lot has happened in the last week or or two that i think is worth talking about uh you guys were gone we're gone. Gone to Texas. For did, a week, killing shit. Did our, Texas. Did our Texas trip, and Julia joined us this year. We had had a lot of fun. It, the weather was so nice. I mean, it was raining. Well, okay, let me back up slightly. There were some delays with, with weather, but that had to do with Texas. But coming back, there were delays with weather that had to do with Utah. Anyway, that's just, that's just, that just happens when you come Coming travel. and going, man. Not Especially a, in the winter. Not a big deal. But uh, the weather there, it was a little rainy the day we got there, but a whole rest of the week. 60s and 70s. 60s and 70s. It, was 70s. it wasn't humid. It wasn't rainy. Good bone cleaning weather. Good bone cleaning weather. Yep. Julia found lots of bones and stuff for lots her shop. We got to. First time hunting. So. Did you kill it? Kill so anyone? the first thing, the first, the first thing I got was a raccoon and I cried so hard after I shot it. So did you I, eat I, it? no, we didn't, but we, I'll tell you what we did with it. Um, <laughs> so, Earmuffs, uh, it was. Earmuffs. I just told her <laughs> No, so it was um it was nighttime shooting, so I just had a thermal, so I couldn't actually like see what I was shooting. I could just see the outline of it. So I shoot it and I take it out and I'm like, Cool, I got something and then Brighton a second later texts, I keep seeing house cats and so I got so scared that I just killed someone's so pet just, cat. You were just fucking shooting at anything that registered a heat signature? No. What were you trying to hunt? They decided if there's something large, shoot it. So we were hunting. So the raccoon oh. is we were large, hunting, neither the house cat. But they also said if you see a bobcat, a opossum, or a raccoon, to shoot it. Okay. Well, that's yeah. that's more fitting because, like... Because the, they're, they're nuisances. They want them gone. Yeah, the bobcats aren't... That, or armadillos. They're, they're bigger. But they're but also going to be big, too. But the, now it explains it when the you... trash pandas get into everything. I wasn't just shooting just to shoot. Obviously. Yeah, but you didn't Because I'd seen plenty of other stuff. With there were their, puppies. With and, their big chicken coops that hold 30,000 chickens per coop, and they have eight of them. Oh, uh, the raccoons. A raccoon gets in there, get the it's a bloodbath. Yeah. So, so, yeah, any raccoons or anything like that, they say, take them out. So you were killing raccoons and polishing bones, but that's killed rocket. 
Yeah, I killed Rocket. <laughs> I don't think you killed Rocket. He would have fucking shot your ass first. <laughs> That's what a dad named it. That that dude is. So, yeah, so I'm crying, and then I find out it's a raccoon, and then I was okay. So wait, I might have killed someone. Oh, it's just a fucking raccoon. I don't care. But Well, because the guy who came and checked it out with me, he was like, oh my gosh, good job. These guys have been so annoying. So I was like, okay, I did a good thing Because then. they kill chickens. I, yeah. Like, I get yeah. it. They're, they're a nuisance animal. It's like a coyote in certain places. He but. was chunky. He was big. Yeah, that's because um, he fucking eats chickens. Yeah, so we take it back and we take its skull and we took the penis so bone. How, how many times? How many times do you guys go out on a hunt when you're out there? Like, is it two or three? It's two full days. Two full days that you're hunting. Yeah, two and full days. So are you are are you returning back to the lodge each yes. night? So you're just kind of like four wheeling oh, around it's, or something? Yeah, no, they just drop you off. It's like five minute little four wheeler. It's on the same property. Well, yeah, the lodge is on the property. I mean, how many acres are you guys on that you're hunting? Fifty. Oh, so it's it's sizable, and there's a bunch of boar on. The property mm, so there's yeah. a there's an inner fenced area that's 10 acres and then there's an outer fenced area that's 40 acres so they're wild boar in the fenced areas yeah so so yeah. they collect off of their other their horse properties their cattle properties they collect them so they capture them and bring them and in. bring them there however they get in there on their own well i assume like they're they're, they're pretty smart animals yeah like. so it's a combination of they keep it stocked to make sure when people come to hunt that there's boars there. But uh, they were saying that they stocked like 28 the week before, that they had put 28 into it. But they said there's way more than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like what we talked about when we were in, in Kauai. There's just boars everywhere. Yeah. And so the, the gestation period for a wild hog is three months, three weeks, three days. That's how you remember it, three, three, three. And they can start reproducing at about three to four months. That's insane. And the average litter, or I don't know if it's a litter, whatever, 10 to 12. Yeah, they have a bunch of babies. Piglets per litter. And if there's no, like, if there's not really very many natural predators, they're... And that's the problem. There's none. Well, not, I take the back. Coyotes, not in the little enclosure, but... Well, the, but the thing is, the thing is, we as humans have killed most right. of the natural predators, so... Like coyotes and bobcats are natural predators of the young, right? But as they get bigger, yeah. there's no big natural predators. No, no coyote's going to take on a full grown. Yeah, and we don't have three hundred pound boar. We don't have wild wolves roaming no. around Texas anymore. So, so no, they really are. They really have no predators, and they're reproducing like rabbits. So Brighton killed a Brighton got a pregnant one. It had all the babies in it. Uh, and so, but yeah, how many did you guys end up bagging while you were down there? Bree's going to take her headphones Four. off for now because. We got four total. Uh, they averaged around 100 pounds each. Earmuffs, Bree. Plug your ears. I don't. <laughs> so, but you got one, Julia. Yep, yeah. Julia. And got so, one. and and you were. They had to force it though, because I didn't get one. I didn't get one. It was like the night we were gonna. The night it was gonna end. Not force it, but they had so to. So are you roam are, around? So you. They took us in the little ATV and they drove around the neighborhood and around the chicken coops and down the street. Until they could find a hog, and he's driving with no lights on, and he's looking through the scope of the gun. When you say neighborhood, though, you have to realize it's not a every neighbor's on yeah. like a hundred acres. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, but so he's driving with no lights, looking through the scope of the gun. Well, yeah, because the, 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 the lights that yeah. the hog will run. And so. finally, we find one in the cows. So in the cow pasture. So we sneak up on it. And my uncle who came with, he hasn't got one either. So I'm like, okay, well, let's share it because this is the last like 10 minutes, you know. So we both, we're, we're all sneaking up to it and we, we get down and our, our guide, he counts down. He's like, ready, aim, fire. 
so we can shoot at the same time. And his gun didn't go off. His gun misfired. Well, that I got it on the first shot, but <laughs> so so uh, you you are using the skull, right? They're gonna, I suppose, yep. they're gonna clean it and send it to you. Yeah, we... I butchered and cleaned my own pig. Yeah, but. Did but so yes. the skull might, yes, like, my great uncle's like bleaching like, yeah, and yeah, cleaning like it. You're, you didn't bring back no. a freaking severed head of a boar. No, like, that's my not. uncle does the processing, so he's bleaching it and doing all this. So stuff does he do all the meat processing too? We or? did, yeah, huh? We did that. Well, I get like field stripping and cutting it up, but like the rest of the processing, like if you turn it into sausage or anything, yeah. So like if that. you so that he doesn't get too into. So if you wanted all of that, believe me, there's plenty. You just of go to someone. So remotely. we just go with the basics. Uh, this year though, they did have a meat tenderizer. So, like, so it, like freshly, ground it, we put it right through the tenderizer and froze it. So, I picked all the hairs but, out. Yeah, I mean, you could do the, the full processing. Yeah, are we you, just field strip it. Yeah, are you, uh, so are you gonna give me some of it this year? Absolutely. Dad, we brought home 32 pounds of boar meat on the plane. <laughs> Yeah, do, do you ship any back at all, or are you just so so expensive? Brought, that's the problem is it cost. So we kept two boxes. I left one for my brother, and then uh, one for my sister. So they just have to go pick it up from uncle when it's ready. Oh, that's great. That's, and then of course my uncle keeps it because he uses it and cooks. Yeah, we just gave him all the rest. It's put it in good. The I mean, it's good stuff. It's not honestly. I don't think it's that gamey so compared I, to regular. So pig. we've actually had it at some of our barbecues. So the yeah. one where we did the pulled pork last summer. Yeah, that was the that, that was, was the wild. Oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> that's the thing is, if you didn't tell people, they they because really it's wouldn't. not really gamey at all. No, the, thing, uh, the thing is, it's not as fatty as like a, a farm raised hog would be. Exactly. But it's, I mean, it's it's not super gamey. Yeah. You know, we They're were pretty good at knowing what meats. Good. We were talking about gross. we we were talking about uh, game meat today at work actually, and um, I was saying that I really would just kill for some elk meat because I haven't had an elk steak. I haven't in had years. elk in a while. It's so good. Elk steak's so good. So my uncle had on his his yard is seven acres, um, and he took three deer this last fall. Well, my brother took one, his daughter took one, and he took the other. Yeah, deer suck, man. But what he does, because you kind of have to, is he mixes it, you mix it with um, beef. Yeah, if you mix it with beef for like ground, because the problem with venison with deer is there's not enough fat. So it's lean. super lean. So it makes decent jerky. I've heard you can make a good roast out of it, but if you want to do any like ground stuff, you have to yeah. mix it. And so he did, he did ground, so he does hamburgers with it and all that kind of stuff, but you have to mix it. Whereas antelope, you don't necessarily have to because we've had antelope that wasn't mixed that was with antelope really or yeah that or, was pretty good with elk you don't have to elk are big yeah. like they yeah. have great so stuff. anyway we had a good time it was nice to just get away and well and speaking of use of guns um brie earmuffs off now you can you can participate again because <laughs> <laughs> i know you're excited about this so uh we went to the rocky mountain gun show sunday 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 no that's mo- saturday saturday that's saturday. autorama <laughs> and actually there was a, that fucking convention center the, the <laughs> south town expo center mountain america whatever it is that was so freaking packed on Saturday. Because they had, so the car show that Holly went to and this. Uh, and episode. the gun show at the same time. A car show uh, and a gun show. Could you get any more? It was. American. <laughs> <laughs> so we went. And so, and I have said for a year, like we've been, Brie and I have been wanting guns for a while. More than a year. For, for we've been wanting Since before to. before COVID. Yeah, we've been wanting to have guns because we want to go shooting. Like, I don't. It's not, just fun. I don't want a gun for killing people um i'm not like home defense most people feel that way well a lot of people are like i want a gun for home defense 
right? Like I want, and, and I want an AK because it's fun to shoot. I wanted a handgun because I've wanted a handgun for a long time uh, because I want to target shoot. I don't really care about concealed carry. It's not something I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to get a permit for it because why not? But um, it's not something I really intend to actually do. So I've said for a long time, in the last couple of years in particular, like I really want to buy a gun. But he wasn't going to do it till he could get ammo because ammo was on short supply for so long. And it's coming back a little bit. Uh, but at the gun show, they were advertising no limits on ammo purchases, which is a big deal. Most prices right now are like between one and three boxes top. You could pick up a thousand rounds for three to four hundred dollars of nine millimeter. New rounds, not just reloads, which is important. Uh, and so I was like, well, let's go because I should be able to get ammo. If we go early enough, they won't run out. We'll be able to get the ammo and we can look at guns. And uh, we found a gun dealer that when we walked up to start looking at guns after, because I was like, I'm buying the ammo first because the guns will be here. Yeah. The ammo will get sold out. Uh, and so we bought the ammo and I'm like, okay, well, let's wander around and let's find a gun dealer. And we walked up to a table and there was a couple there that were talking about buying a gun and the guy was asking them questions and they're like, well, we don't really know anything about it. And so, so I just stood there and listened. He was super nice he was a younger guy super informative like hey this is you know this is the difference between these models this is you know you have to this is why i like this one what you want to do with the gun like super informative and Bree didn't even have to ask a question because he was explaining it all to these people next to us and i was just standing there listening so eventually he kind of started looking at me too as he was talking it was kind of funny and i you know the discussion i have i've had with Bree about it is when you buy a gun, the gun is, it's not about, I mean, there are certain characteristics that you want to, to be familiar with, but a lot of the gun that you buy is about how comfortable it is. Because if you're not comfortable holding it, you're not going to be comfortable shooting it. If you're afraid of it, it yeah. isn't going to do any good. And if it feels if too, too big heavy or, or too it, heavy. And I have tiny hands, like I have you, child hands. If so. you can't pull the action back to cock the gun initially, like... Those are all things that you want to consider, but at the end of the day, it's all about, is it comfortable to hold? Because then it's going to be comfortable to shoot. I used everyone else's guns because I don't have my own. They were all so big. And so, um, Brie found a gun that she really liked, and it wasn't pink. So Of she course was, it wasn't pink. Cause if it was purple, stupid. she would have bought it as a purple color. Maybe. So did you get but, two or just one? Two. So she so got a got, nice. She got a gun that's uh, more concealable, uh, and so we both. Well, it just fits my hand more, but it is definitely it's it's a it's not a subcompact. It's just compact, which means it's definitely concealable. Like I, when we got home, like I put it in my jacket pocket, and with both my hands in my pocket, you can't couldn't can't even tell even I had tell. a gun in my pocket. Uh, so we both bought some Glock nine millimeters, different models. Um, I bought a, a full size G forty five, and she's got a forty three X. Um, I bought one with a fancy sight attachment capability, nice. MOS, so I could put on a laser sight if I want. Um, but yeah, it was just uh, good to finally be able to make a purchase that we've been considering for a long time and be uh, uh, surrounded. I got a free beer out of the deal. Oh, nice. So, so when when you get your background check, if you so if you have a concealed carry, you don't have to do your background check. But we needed to do our background check, so they had just a place where you could go sit while you were waiting and fill out the so paper. So we s- sat down next to a guy RSL fan. in RSL attire because we were like, 
The gun shows at the, the the Mountain America Expo. The RSL game starts at four. Like it's a perfect mix, right? We'll go there, then Get we'll go, gun, to the go to the game. <laughs> and so we ended up getting we didn't done end up at the, doing that. Well, we but. got we ended up getting done at the gun show earlier. So I'm like, well, let's take the guns home so they're not sitting in the car while we're at. The but game. anyway, so there was another guy there who was dressed in RSL gear, and so he's I got went, two beers, and he's sitting down. And he was a beer, waiting, waiting for all of his stuff to happen, and and uh, and uh, he the, was getting a rifle of some sort though because he, it's a big box. Like I think he was getting a pretty significant yeah. And he's like, oh well, I'm gonna need both hands, so he. Pounded the breast of one beer. That and just had. handed the brand like, new here, one to Chris. He's like, here you go. I can't carry it with this thing. So I, nice. I'll, uh, you can have it. I got to take two hands with this thing. So I got a free beer out of the deal while I was Sweet. sitting there. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Uh, so then, um, worth mentioning, uh, first RSL home game of the year. They have done a lot of changes in the stadium. Um, the new ownership group is already starting to kind of show. So they've done a lot of really cool, like they've done a big graffiti mural where the players walk into the stadium, um, when they first get there for, cool. like before the game. That's um, not where it is. It's, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah where yeah, they yeah, walk everyone. in before the game. It's where the kids, come, if you, if you've gone to games, that's where the kids come in. Um, on the south side. And they've done a bunch of improvements down on the south end. They've put in more concessions, including a, Bohe- a, a stand of Bohemian Brewery oh, um, nice. back there. Uh, and they're doing some more. They've upgraded their sound. They brought in like really nice sound system that's in front of the stands instead of up in the the, the shitty stuff that's up in the the, the roof. Uh, and I don't know if that's temporary as they go to upgrade the stuff in the roof because it's old and really crap. You can't hear the announcer before. It's super nasty. You can now hear like player changes and stuff like that as they're being announced, which is really nice. Um, so anyway, the game starts off uh it's first of all it was a four o'clock game and we'd been to the gun show and stuff and we went home so we ended so up this actually, is saturday right yeah. this is saturday so. so we actually ended up getting there earlier we usually get there an hour before but we actually got there like an hour almost an hour and a half before so we're there at like 2 30 we, we get there we're hanging out in the stands the game starts it's going fine like it's a pretty it's a pretty decent game with some back and forth. RSL's got some good control and about we score about no we hadn't scored yet. Are you sure? About yeah, I'm positive. About okay. 43 minutes in, uh, the official blows the whistle, calls all the players off the field. There's only one thing that causes that in an MLS game, and that is lightning. So if there is a lightning strike within a mile of the stadium. MLS regulation, they stop the game and pull everyone inside, and they actually tell the fans to go go for cover. Um, they don't make you though. Right. Because the lightning's the dangerous thing. Like snow, rain, that doesn't matter, but the lightning is really dangerous. I've seen those YouTube videos where lightning hits the field and half the players like so, topple over. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. And so they, they, the rule is they have to wait 30 minutes from the last recorded lightning strike within a mile of the stadium. Well, the storm was moving right towards us. So, so it we, just kept striking. So 43 minutes into the game, which is two minutes away from halftime, by the way. <laughs> of course. That's what's, that's what's brutal about this. Uh, the players go in, then it starts hailing, then it starts raining, and it's like hailing sideways, and lightning's still happening. So we have to wait for the storm to go all the way across us. So after and because like a, I, Because I can't be seen as a, as a weakling, I stood out there the whole time. But I didn't think about that when I was getting dressed. So I was like waterproof from my head to my knees, but not oh. from my knees down. So you don't think that's going to no. be that good. Well, and, and so now it's... 
instead of being four to six, it's already like seven thirty ish or now seven it's o'clock. Dark so I'm it's wet dark and, and it's dark and it's rain and now it starts snowing and they're shoveling the field. But the lighting's gone, so the players come back on, they play for like two and a half minutes. Half time. Half time. But they but, had a five minute half time. Yeah, they, they got MLS to okay That's only good. because of how close it was to half, they did a five minute half time on the field and then came back out. Yeah, so they didn't even like go in. They but just, by this point, it's like the fan, a lot of fans stayed initially and finally, but it got to a point where it was pretty sparse. And by the time halftime hit, like there was probably 2,000, maybe 3,000 3, people left in the stadium. Hardcore fans like Heather that. sent me a video of the lightning storm and it was insane. It was like wild. shaking the well, house. And like it was, some of it was horizontal. Yeah. She like sent it me was video. Wacky. And here we were in Texas in like 75 degree weather. It's like, and she's like, it's like a cool. Well, and it was, storm. it was snowing. It was snowing like sideways and we're down in Sandy. And so we're like, okay, we're, we were so cold. We're like, we're going to get, get so, well, so anyway, when the, when it starts again, it had kind of stopped. Like the weather had stopped. The storm was far enough that it was kind of drizzling, but like, Nothing like not a big deal drizzling, but now all of the hail is melted and there's puddles everywhere, or whatever. Um, and so we're it, it's cold, we're all cold, but then like the last what 15 20 minutes That's of the game, snow. it starts to snow great big, flat, fat, wet flakes. So, anyway, RSL wins the game, which is fantastic. Um, we we leave, there's no rush because there's no people left. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have to really like there's not anything. there's not a, there's not a huge crowd of, of people leaving because there's just not that many left anymore uh and then what was crazy to me is the people that like stayed through that long delay and then like left and then left at like 60 70 minutes of the game you know like, like what the hell people but anyway so we get we get towards home and the roads are they're wet but they're not bad we turn down airport road and it is like it's, it's bad. Like Chris is like driving in the car in front of us tracks because it's like really deep. We get to the house. I'm like, holy shit, this is a lot of snow out of nowhere. And so the next morning we get up to go shovel on Sunday and, and almost 10 inches of it, snow. It was yeah. 10 inches. Yeah. I, I like, we have a yardstick that I only use for measuring snow. It's for <laughs> other stuff, but I use it for other stuff, but he does. I, I use it to measure snow and it was 10 inches outside. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's like the super wet. Well, stuff. So we came back on Sunday and that's why our flight was delayed. So, we got up. I wouldn't say we hurried, but we got up and got moving because we wanted to be to the airport by 12 because our flight was like at two something or the other. On the way to the airport, I get the notice your your flight has been delayed by like 20 or 30 minutes. It's like, eh, we'll just keep going. That, you know, that makes me think. I got to stop you. That makes me think of the commercial. Have you seen the be, Don't Be Your Parents commercial in the oh, airport yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. They're like, guess they should have been here an hour early. It wouldn't be running. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. So while we're... Going through the check-in, I get another message, your flight's been delayed. We go through security, I get another message, your flight's being delayed. So we didn't end up leaving until almost 5. We were supposed to leave at 2. I'm so tired. I just slept on a bench. But it's I've never of been to Lake. the airport. Um, is it like, do they have amenities there? Houston? Oh, Houston. Oh, Houston's a huge it's fucking It's the fourth huge. biggest airport like, in the world. But like... You would think that L.A. would have stuff, but it's sucked. LAX is a pile of shit. Sucky. No, they had 
That restaurants, bars, barbecues. Yeah, no, no, Houston. Our area, our waiting lounge was a Coca Cola lounge. Yeah. Sponsored. So, yeah. Oh, no, so it had a whole yeah, big they, row they, of Coca Cola drinks. The Houston airport's it's huge. nice. It's big. L- LAX is a big airport, but it's a pile of shit. Like when we when we were in Seattle, that was fine. Yeah, that was. So um, you have to keep in mind. So like property is at a premium in a place like LA. Houston's really sprawling, true. and the airport's you know able to take up a lot of space. Plus, like Houston's had a lot of upgrades, I think, since yeah. 9-11. LAX was big before 9-11. So you, you know, airports back then, if you guys remember, like they, Let's everything. Walk in and out. Yeah, you could walk in and out. And so depending on when the airport was built, services were in one part or another. And the airports that like LAX that are really old that have had to adjust. It's so weird, like in Seattle, even when you just walk past the, you know, the intake and you're just, you're literally already in the airport. We're in Salt Lake. Like, there's a bu- big yeah. buffer. And so, and, and especially like Salt Lake now, where yeah. it's been designed right. after the fact, you know, they've been able to do Houston is similar. It's, it's newer. It's not Salt Lake new, but it's, it's newer. So, yeah. oh, yeah, it had everything. It had, I mean, so it's not a big deal, but, but it was because of the weather here, here. in Salt Lake. They were, cause it was massive. Yeah. It was a massive storm. Yeah. And we got another one coming in right now. So. Yep. Well, this week we're joined by uh, Orfeo and Judy Kostrensich. Did I get it? Perfect. Wow. I, don't, I won't Look get it. You, like I'm going to say it again later. And you always just, get the super hard names I'll, right, well, and then the easy names you butcher. So it's he true. offered to phonetically spell it for me, but the problem is I have to phonetically spell it for myself. Right? Otherwise, I won't. Like whatever what he means. says is not going to work. So I have yeah. my own phonetic alphabet that I use. That's, now, if your name had been Smith, there there would have been no. Uh, no look, back. I've I've straight up called people the wrong name after talking to them for an hour. So yeah. Um. But uh, Orfeo and Judy, you guys are with the Latitude Group Real Estate, right? Correct. Uh, local Brokered real estate. by Exp Realty. Exp Experian. Uh, or is it a different company? It's a different. It's a real estate brokerage, and it's uh agent owned so that's what makes it special nice nice one of the fastest growing brokerages in the world wow nice so are you guys utah natives I am. Yeah, I'm not. I grew up in California. Weird, another California yeah, transplant. But but, I, but I've been here for. So I, I moved here in 1991. Okay, so, so I'm not sure how that. Now you're a Utah. Yeah. yeah. I think I think once you spend 30 years somewhere, you're you're considered. That okay. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you still have a longing to go back to California and don't call this your home, in which case. Uh, if, if the tax rates were different there and, and housing was more affordable than here, then maybe. If when you moved there, you lived in a house bigger than a bread box. Yeah. yeah and it was right on the beach. Sure. <laughs> um, so we're going to actually, we got to take a step back and start with um, what month were you guys born in? I was born in July. Okay. April. So July. So you're a Halloween baby. Halloween baby. When in July were you born? Like at the end or the beginning? Beginning. July, so could be. It could be early October then. Early You're October. a fall solstice oh, or yeah. something. It's homecoming. No, homecoming. That's true. So, what were your parents doing uh, for homecoming? Oh, actually, it was a concert. I think. Oh, it was so she knows. Skinner. She knows. Leonard Skinner. That's a good. Con- that's Skinner. a good concert I- to conceive for sure. That's a good conception story. Okay, sweet, so sweet and then April. Totally disregard. So then Sorry. April. <laughs> so July. July. So when in April were you born? April 8th. April 8th. So you oh, were so 4th of July, a, baby. Could have yeah. been a celebration. 4th of July weekend. Okay. So your maybe. parents were celebrating. Who's older? <laughs> oh, I, I'm a lot older. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but, uh, but but with my parents, so my dad was a commercial fisherman when I was born. And so he would he ran a boat 
out of San Diego and they'd be gone two or three months at a time. They go down to South America, tuna fishing, and then come back. So it was it probably just between been, trips. It yeah. was just coincidence. Yeah, it was homecoming time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, okay. Now that we got that out of the way, we can kind of talk a little bit more. So you were born in California, I assume. Right. Uh, and, uh, when you came here in 91. What, what brought you to Utah? <laughs> <laughs> um, ex-wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> that happens. That does that happen. That happens. So, because you met your ex-wife or you moved here with your ex-wife? Moved here with my ex-wife. Because yeah. it could have been that you were married in California and, and you wanted like, to, get to get that get away, far away. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Or there are other people that have a family in two different places and one doesn't know about the other. It happens. <laughs> That's, true. Yeah. That's true. So did you find out about the other wife and said you got to get rid of her? Is that? <laughs> no, that was a long time that before. Was, yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> Those are bad memories. Those are bad memories. And, and you were born here in Utah then? Yes. Where? Where at in Utah? I was born in Davis County, and then my family moved to Salt Lake City when I started junior high. And then they. So Salt Lake City proper? Yeah. Nice. So where'd you go to school then? I went to West High. Oh, West High. Wow. It's really Salt Lake City proper. Yeah. And then my family moved back to, or they moved to Tooele, and I went to Weber State. I don't. Okay. (laughs) There you go. You're you're a total full scale Utahan. So yeah, all how, over. So how did you guys meet? Because I, I I assume with the same last name you're probably together, right? We, like, we are married, and we met at a birthday party. Right for your so ex-wife. We, so, no, no, no. <laughs> that would make a great story, but no. Uh, we actually had friends who were dating, and uh, Judy's friend. Uh, it was her birthday, and she invited me to the party. She goes, "Oh, you should meet my friend Judy. You guys get along great." And, uh, we did. And, um, Too so well. after, well, so, <laughs> so after the, the party, we went back to, uh, her boyfriend's house, who was my friend. And, uh, it was about 2 a.m. and Judy broke a wine glass on my face. Oh, nice. What? That's kind of how we got together. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> was, that, was that a purposeful break? Was no, it? it was, we were playing uh, or having a, like a water fight with the wine glasses and I was just swirling the water and then I just kind of flipped it and it just shattered the glass. Oh, wow. Cut me across the eye. I blood for an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then I figured, well, like I've already scarred him. So I kind of owe him It must now. be meant yeah. to be. <laughs> so was your, not, not, we won't spend too much time on the ex. Was she from Utah or was it a job that brought you to Utah? Uh, her family was from Utah. Okay. Um, she grew up in California. Um, her mom had moved back here, and uh, and that's kind of why. We so back. I know we're not going to spend too much time on the X, but when was she born? No. <laughs> okay, so family brought you to Utah. So ninety one. What did you do when you got to Utah? Did you switch jobs? Were you going to college? What was your? I uh, no. So I was working at uh, the University of Southern California in the treasurer's office. Uh, I ran the faculty and staff housing program there. And uh, when I moved to Utah, I actually moved without a job, uh, worked for a while for uh, Walker Associates uh, at that time. So this is back in 91 when there was the Resolution Trust Corporation, mm-hmm. and um, they were trying to um, package all of those uh, bad loans that were done by the savings and loans. Oh, yes. And so I uh, was involved in some of that for a little bit, then worked for a, a mortgage company, um, and then... Uh, with the University of Utah. And, and uh, throughout that whole time, I still had my real estate license, still did real estate. Um, 
got my real estate license actually back in 1983 in California. So, so what was the what was the driving factor for you to get? I always like to to know from people that are in real estate. Why did you decide I want to sell houses? Was it was it a thought? Because I know some people that that do it because they're like, oh, this is an easy way to make a buck on the side. Yeah. So actually, I got involved. Um, well, I was 19 when I got my license. I was in school working towards my bachelor's degree. Um, actually, what drove me towards it was my mom always said, if you look at the people in town who are successful and have money, they're all involved in real estate in one way or another, whether it's selling real estate and the mortgage in loan, you know, lending business, uh, investing, whatever, right? They all hold real estate. They're all involved in that industry in some way. And, and, you know, there's, there's some truth to that. Uh, obviously today it's probably a little broader distribution of wealth than just real estate, but that's still a big piece of, of where people hold wealth, uh, and generate wealth. Um, so that's kind of what got me interested and got me started in it. I was a little hesitant to do it full time because obviously it's, it's solely commission based. And once you get your degree and you have opportunities to uh, have a solid paycheck and you know what's, what you're going to get from week to week and benefits and all that, it sounds wonderful, but I've always enjoyed it. So I've always stayed involved in it. And then, uh, and, and Judy can kind of add to this piece, uh, this more her story, but, um, she wanted to make a business out of it a few years ago. And, uh, and, and that was a smart thing to do. She's more courageous than I am. So I so, jumped on board. So have you sold real estate basically since the eighties at yes. some level? Yes. And have you sold a house every year or has it been like periods of five years where you're like, I didn't sell anything. I just kept my No, license. I don't think it's ever been that long. <laughs> no, I mean, so, so basically family and friends. So I didn't run it like a business, but I always stayed involved in it. Um, but it wasn't until Judy decided, you know, part of it was through investing in, in real estate and holding some other properties that we rent. Um, you know, Judy just loved that, that side of it and uh, wanted to be more involved in it. And after spending all her time in, uh, healthcare, um, was ready for a change. But again, that's more her story. So she should probably tell you more about that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was going to ask next, you know, what, what was, so you went to Weber state and then what'd you do after school there? So I went to school for radiology and I've been in healthcare doing MRI for the last 20 something years. And then, uh, when I married Orfeo, he had his license and I saw him do the business on the side and I thought, well, that's great for on the side. I never really thought about it. But when we got married, we then had two properties and we bought our home together and we kept the two properties and rented them out. And I thought, oh my gosh, so, you know, this is, this is truly the way to build wealth. And I thought about people I know that I thought if I could educate people on how to build wealth through owning real estate, that would be really impactful. And so I thought of, you know, that makes a bigger impact even than working in healthcare. And so I thought it would be something that I would really enjoy doing and I could help other people in, in a truly meaningful way. Help them build wealth. It's like the best way to help someone. So do you read imaging reports ever anymore? I don't read imaging reports. Do, I just. <laughs> do you miss it? Uh, uh, no, I never did read. I never did read <laughs> like the, the images? reports. Yeah, I just took, I did MRI exam. So I oh, would okay. help patients get through the exam, you know. So you, you, you did all the imaging, but you never actually did the readings. Yeah, I did not but, do the reading. But the other part she didn't mention, she also trained people in MRI which is why she's really good in real estate because she has the patience and to help people through tough 
situations. How many MRIs have you messed up or, or been around the guy messed up? Because those are those are hundreds of thousands of dollar mistakes. Yeah, so you you cannot mess it up completely because it can always be retaken. Yeah, it can always be fixed. Yeah. MRI doesn't use any radiation, so it. No, no, I no. Mean, I mean the machine. Oh, I mean like how, how many, many how many I watches broken? did you get stuck on the oh, machine? Like I've broke hearing aids, watches, <laughs> my own personal watches, probably at least ten, a uh, few pagers. Things but, like, those yeah. machines are unforgiving for yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're missing the good questions. What about implants? How many implants have I destroyed? Oh, I don't, I don't think I've destroyed any implants. Like patient implants? Yeah, yeah, no, because everything that, so MRIs evolved so much from when it started, like yeah. everything that we never do, we do all the time now. So I remember, I remember like I, I, yeah, I've been in the medical field for a long time working with orthopedists and I remember 15, 20 years ago, like there's a, a hand surgery office in Chicago that had an MRI that would do from the hand all the way to the elbow. And like they had lead walls all around it <laughs> and no metal allowed anywhere near it. And I'm like, it's magnetic though. Why, why the lead walls guys? Like, <laughs> but like they had all kinds of issues with all the, uh, interruptions in their network. Cause they, you know, you can't run any network stuff near it. So that has to be, it should be shielded with copper. Yes. That's, uh, it's just that's a neither here nor there. That's just as, a question because I'm a nerd. Are they still as loud as they used to be? Yes. They they're get, still they're just s- as loud. Yeah, the stronger they get, the louder they are. And so they, they're engineered to go faster and stronger and, you know, that produces the best quality images. And so the newer technology just gets louder. Yeah, so when they cram you into those for like the full body MRIs, they're the most scary because they're super loud and you can't move at all. Sounds like you're in an it's airplane. It's not that scary. <laughs> but, you, you know, it it taught me how to build really good rapport with someone instantly and build that trust factor instantly with just about anybody because... Because some people are scared and some oh, people and aren't. That, and, and if they don't trust you, there's no way they're getting in there. And that transitions really well to having them entrust you and spending thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> it, yeah. So that's the biggest thing is like uh, moving... And buying a house, they're both incredibly stressful. So let's back up just a hair. You guys meet. When did you get married? Five years ago. Five years ago. So was it instant to start the real estate stuff or did it kind of evolve after you guys got married? When After we got married, we were married for a couple of years. A couple of years before I decided I wanted to get my license. I thought about doing financial planning. Um, because originally what I wanted to do was help women build their own wealth and, uh, help women invest. And I wanted to do something like that. And so I was thinking financial planning, but then, uh, I just thought, well, real estate helps them build wealth just, and families build wealth. And, you know, it's faster than, you know, helping someone with their financial planning. And it also provides shelter. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's the home ownership thing to me. I think there's so many people that don't truly understand it, and you know, especially in a time like right now, like you look at the the cost of home ownership, and you're like, well, but I'm I'm renting, and I'm like, you know, I pay the same mortgage that I paid ten years ago, 
But guess what? The rent price has doubled right. or tripled in that time frame. My like, rent just went up 300 bucks. Yeah. yeah. I'm still so, paying. I bet you my mortgage is less than your rent. And and it's just because I've been living here for 10 years. Right. And you've built equity. Mm-hmm. You've had taxes. We actually, because of the rates, we actually refinanced for lower interest rate. Pulled cash out. Pulled to a bunch, a of, bunch cash of cash stuff. out. And we paid like $5 less or something like that for our house payment. Yeah. yeah and... With inflation right now, rates are, are, you know, still good. For a couple more weeks. Right, right. And even after that. I don't that, think those are holding. Even after that, they're better than they have been historically. Yeah. yeah. But it, rate, um, rent is going it's to keep going up just like gas. 2% vacancy in Utah right now. When I was a kid, my parents bought their house. So this would have been late 70s, early 80s. They bought their house. I want to say it was like 27 thousand somewhere in that ballpark 13 percent interest which was standard at yeah, the time right 13 i don't is... remember what interest my first house but i remember it was 89.9 13 yeah. percent interest but, is unfathomable which was standard housing market but think about the pricing back then too like you know houses in the late 70s early 80s were fraction of what they are now it was still affordable to get into home ownership yeah, well back people. then you would get married and buy a house that i mean you didn't very few people rented that was not really heard of you got married you bought a house i bought a house and then i got married but also back then like <laughs> kearns was unincorporated there were big gaps between west valley and murray and salt lake and now there's not they're all one big city yeah, yeah now that's west jordan and that's west valley yeah literally across the street so it's changed <laughs> and it's very sadly the cost of living and the cost of housing is so bad and so off kilter from what it used to be where where you could afford to eat and one income would buy your house pay for your groceries but I, I, that was a long time ago yeah, though cuz even when i got married in 96 now i'm talking 60s yeah but like and, but like that's that's like still our, a while ago our parents that was generation. 60 years ago but that was 96 also 96 was not 60 no, years. 60s oh. and yes. 70s was but, but Utah was, was just still developing yeah, a lot. yeah very and, much so. and even now like driving through Riverton and, and Harriman and, and Lehigh reminds me a lot of Orange County in California in the late 70s yeah I mean like like right? e- even crazy. my neighborhood here which you think is fully developed Jeremy literally finished the last bit of the neighborhood that was totally undeveloped like he they, they're just finishing those but I I, I want to go back to like cost because I think you know, with you guys here, we can talk about this. Um, a lot of people are very, you know, afraid of the cost of home ownership because it is hard to get into. They think they have to have the traditional like twenty percent of the the amount down. And I know there's a lot of other programs out there to help with that. And I know you sell houses, not necessarily mortgage packages, but <laughs> but they kind of have to know about any it. decent real estate agent does have mortgage brokers they work closely with, right? <laughs> And so I, I, I kind of want to hear from, from you guys a, a little bit about that because, you know, if you look at like the average home price in, ignore Utah in the country and the 20% down, that's more than the median salary for a year for, for people. And so that's what people think when they think of home ownership is I got to save a year's worth of income. Like I'm never going to be able to do that while I'm living in an apartment. Right. Well, there's all kinds of different programs that lenders have. And there's all kinds of incentive programs that people can qualify for with different incomes and first time home buyers and things like that. So definitely 20% down. You don't have to do if, if 
you don't do it though. You do pay like the premium mortgage insurance and Which other sucks. things like that. But yeah. you you can pay it up front now instead of or incorporating that in your loan as well. So if you want to become a homeowner, yes, you're going to have to make a sacrifice. You know, the, today with social media and you see everything that everybody has access to. There are people that, you know, before you think, okay, so I can do this kind of a vacation because this is in my budget. Well, now you see all kinds of vacations and with social media, you're like, okay, this is the vacation I want. Well, that vacation might not be in your budget if you want to become a homeowner. <laughs> that new car. And, you might and, just want to stick with that used and, car. For and the Louis Vuitton might not be in your budget <laughs> if you want to become a homeowner. It might be for some people. Not but the Louis. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like you will have to evaluate your finances and figure out what your budget is. And the best thing I can recommend is find out what your budget is. Find out what type of house you can afford. Figure out where that payment's going to be in relation to what you pay for rent and start making yourself that payment. If it's more than your rent, start paying it to yourself in the savings account. And you'll be surprised if you stick to a budget and you, you are realistic about what you can afford in your budget, you'll save money. And there's also a lot of different housing options available, right? So you don't necessarily, maybe you can't buy a single family home to start out with. You start with a condo or a townhome. Maybe you don't live in the neighborhood you want as your primary choice, but you have to move a little further out where prices are a little bit lower, right? And commute. Um, that's something that was very common in California. So, you know, back in the eighties, uh, in California, it was very common for people to start moving out to you know, if you worked in LA, people were starting to buy homes out in Riverside and drive an hour and a half because that's where they could afford them, even back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of where Utah's gotten to now because of the increase in population. And that's why you the see density. people out in Stansbury and Tooele that, that's that right. in Salt Lake. Yeah, Grantsville. You see more people moving up further north, even, you know, Layton mm -hmm. that come or even further north than Layton uh, and drive down to Salt Lake for work. And uh, well, well, now more with that. the with working from home, that, sometimes that uh, where lot, you yeah. live doesn't matter anymore. Right. right. Especially if you only have to work in your office one day a week. You can you can make an hour commute one day a week. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and I, I think a lot of people don't think too, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, a small home that you, you start out in, you know, you're like, oh, well, it's just like, it's just an 800 square foot single story dwelling in Kearns, but Hey, your apartment's probably not that much bigger. And if you live there for a couple of years, chances are you're going to be able to sell it and get something much bigger after five years of, of dealing with it and not increase your mortgage payment that much right. or, or at all. And so one thing that I see a lot, which I'm a home designer, so I, I'm in a very similar, well, I, I deal with real estate all the time, but slightly different. One thing that I see a whole lot of is younger generation kids, meaning 25 to 30 in that ballpark. They want what their parents have. And they come in and, well, I want this and I want this and I want to live here and I refuse to live there. And it's like, take your parents 30, 40 years to get where they are. You're not going to start out that way. And, and the people that can realistically look at that and think, okay, I've got to work my way up. I've got to build, they're in a much better place than these people that they want everything their parents have right off the bat. Well, I refuse to live in Kearns. I'm not going to live in Magna. Twill is way too far away. I want to be in Draper. I want to, you know what I mean? Right. And it's like, that's not realistic. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure you guys see a lot of that. Sure. 
Well, and that's people think that they can't afford a house because, again, they see million dollar listing. Well, this is what a house is. No, it's not necessarily what a house is. And a house can be a condo. Mm-hmm. A house can be a townhome. A house can be, you know, something. a duplex. Yeah, a duplex. A duplex. You're right. Yeah. Different locations around this. Housing, around housing county. comes in all kinds of different shapes and forms and prices. And in Salt Lake City right now, there are places to purchase for $350,000. It's a condo. But or it's a condo. But it's a condo. And or if you're willing to do what yeah. we did, every house I've ever bought has been a repo. Like, and then bad fix it up. shape. But it's been the nicest, the ugliest, worst house in the nicest neighborhood. And then I've put the time and effort into it, and then I've flipped it. So all of my houses have been that one. I've almost doubled with every house that I've gotten into, but my payment has hardly changed in 20 years. So that's another way, but there are not very many people that want to do that. That want to take on that kind of work, but has skills. (laughs) But it was like, we were just talking about my ex-husband because when we got divorced, I kept the house and he moved into an apartment. And a few years ago, I'm like, why are you still living in an apartment? And so we convinced him, go see what you can get. So he has a condo. It's just him. That's all he needs. Him and his cat. He doesn't care about all the rest of the stuff. He doesn't have to take care of the yard or whatever. But we were talking the other day, and I said, "Boy, am I glad I talked him into that when I did." Oh, he'd be paying because double right, rent. What and he was yeah, and he ago. would just because they're re- redoing it. He had a bigger apartment than he needed, so he probably would have had to downsize and pay, and it still would have gone up and up and up. Or you just have to keep moving when you're in an apartment to get those buy-in discount rates, all that kind of stuff, and. I'm like, man, he's lucky because now it's a mortgage. So it's set. It's not changing. And he owns it so he can do whatever he needs to do with it. So what trends are you guys seeing right now? What are the majority of people getting into? Right now, uh, I mean, everything. So I help buyers just depends on what they are looking for. Um, so I'm looking for some students at the U to, that want a house by the U right now. That's tough. That is really tough. Yeah, uh, Dad's got money. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, however, even if dad's got money, that's a place still by the U, that's prime real estate. It's not cheap. It doesn't come available very that, yeah, often. It's, yeah, either. it's not just that it's not so I, cheap. It's so hard to find. I went yeah, to the U in the late 1900s and, <laughs> um, there was nothing, and when something would come available, it was funny because there was some little old grandma that had owned the house forever, split it up, and she and she's not going to sell. And it's like, and then when grandma dies, the, the the family inherits, but they realize what a cash crop it's been. They don't want to sell, so that's the thing is, there's a lot of garbage up there, but there is a lot of good stuff up there. But garbage or good, finding someone willing to sell. Even if you've got the money, it doesn't matter. Well, even even the condos up above, like Hogel Zoo, I mean, they're they're million dollar condos up on that hill. They're My really daughter crazy. was living up in one of them, and I'm like, man, it, her her friend's grandma was the landlord, and I'm like, and she kept it for her grandkids, and I'd be like, man, I'd be and, selling that and thing. And what's, what's wild is if you go just downtown, which isn't that far away from the U, it's still even walking distance. So much easier to get a place. Yeah, the challenge there with uh, high-rise condos is the uh, HOA, HOA fees because yeah. yeah. you're up in you know seven eight hundred dollars a month. 
for your just HOA. Just for the HOA, and that's yeah. on top Jeez. of your right. $2,000 that's, that's tough or whatever. Well, you have to be to pay the insurance on the building and the maintenance yeah. on, you know, those high-rise condos you that have, have elevators. You have to consider and, what you're not paying when uh, you pay an HOA. Yeah. I remember when they opened the Brigham downtown. Do you know that the, yes. that condo unit? The Brigham, it's, I can't remember that. It's... It's kind of by the Cathedral of the Madeline. It's on South Temple. Kind yeah, of it's the LDS housing. Yes. The, they they were they used it for the LDS Business School that's down there. For Something and those suckers started it, and this was probably fifteen years ago. Like they started at three hundred and fifty. They're right downtown, and it was like holy cow! But now they're like pushing eight nine hundred thousand. So realistically, kids, if you want to live downtown, you need to take a good hard look. And once again, I mean, if your parents have money, that doesn't mean there's a place to live. So, so when you, an issue. when you get these people, how do you help them broaden their horizons a little bit and maybe take a look at a different area <laughs> yeah. or so there's a brand new tool that uh, it's called HomeBot, and it used to be just for homeowners and it gives you ideas of your home equity. It's a, it's a great fun tool. And if you want a link to it, I can send you my link, but it, it will tell you basically your home equity every month and it gives you updates on what your home equity is. But now for home buyers, it gives them information on what the market's doing. And it will say, you can say, I want to look at this city and see what's available in the city. So it'll tell you like about how much per square foot you're going to buy. So you can figure out what you can afford and where to start looking. It will also tell you what in similar zip codes you could get for this Thus. same price. So it gives you an idea of what your buying power does, not only where you want to look, but just outside of where you look, want to look because you could probably afford something bigger. So maybe 10 miles more away. Right. You right. get it another 800 I'm, square feet I'm, or something. Right. I'm curious you bring up a, a tool like HomeBot. How do you guys feel about Zillow? How's that? Because <laughs> so, it's been around for a while, but... Yeah. It's. I mean, I mean, it's fine to to look at homes on Zillow. The one everybody thing everybody loves looking at homes. Yeah, yeah, I think the one thing to be careful or to or recognize yeah. is to recognize is that the Zillow estimate that they give you for the home value isn't accurate. Not right? even close. And, really and, inaccurate. Right. Well, and so Zillow had an operation that they started a few, three, four years ago, whatever it was, um, where they were actually going out and buying homes, right, and then. And then essentially them. flipping, yeah. yeah, or flipping them, and and they lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Had to stop the operation this past year because their estimates were so, so wrong. Bad. And so that's the thing people have to be careful of: is just because Zillow's big and advertises a lot, and you, everyone knows them, it doesn't mean I, that you should rely on that data. So I work with a lot of builders, and uh, the two thousand six, seven, eight, nine crash. Most, most, not all, but most of the big home builders had to let go of their architectural departments. So what they did is they hired people like me to come in. So I work with a lot of builders, and if you, I won't give names, but if, if you go to a certain builder, I show up at their office. You would never even know that I basically am a subcontractor to them. But I see this a lot, especially lately, where people are like, "Well, I want to build a house that's let's say five thousand square feet, twenty five hundred main, twenty five hundred basement. I want to finish the whole thing." And and to me, that's fine, whatever. But I'm seeing the the numbers just rolling, and they're like, "Well, I looked it up on Zillow, and my current house is worth five hundred thousand." <laughs> <laughs> so I should be okay to sell that and then and then do this and then it's like oh. do you have to have an actual house inspector come and measure and look at the well, condition of everything to tell you the real value a, of it's it? It's a bank person. Yeah, they come and do a, an appraisal. An appraisal and oh, that's gotcha. and, and a lot of people also get that well I have a pool in the backyard so my look, my house is going to be worth a what, lot more. Mm, what you, really what, you what you need to do if you want to know the true value of your home 
Don't pay for an appraisal. Talk to a real estate agent because they're going to do comps. They'll pull comps. They're going to tell you based on the other homes in your area and the shit that you've got going on, like my crappy backyard up against 6200 South brings the value of my house down, unfortunately. But they're going to be able to pull comps and say, you know what? The houses in your neighborhood are worth roughly this much per square foot. These houses are similar to your house and they have similar acreage and all of that So those of us in this room know what comps are, but why don't you guys explain just a little bit? Good idea. Julia probably doesn't know what comps are. But but how it works. Smiling and nodding. (laughs) Yeah. So we, uh, we take an area around your home, probably like a half a mile, and we look for homes that have similar square footage and bedrooms and bathrooms. And if we have not seen your home personally, we go by the data and we can say, okay, so the low end, the home sell for this, the high end, the home sell for that. So somewhere in the middle, your home will fit in this range more than likely. But then, uh, if that's not enough information, because sometimes it can be a pretty good range depending on your neighborhood, how old it is, and, and different am- amenities and amenities. And, yeah. yeah, some people have fixed up their houses, some haven't. So some, then, some neighborhoods have brand new houses in them, and right. some have older houses, and some have middle houses. So right. right, so a half mile radius might give you a pretty wide variety of homes. And, and, and that even I'm sorry, but that even depends, right? So right now, because of the low inventory. Sometimes you have to go more than half a mile. I mean, ideally, you go within a quarter mile. I mean, that's ideal, but the inventory is so low that well, you it, have to stretch that out. And it's it's interesting. So you talk about going a, a half mile, literally across the street, the neighborhood that is across 6200 South from us in West Jordan, same houses built roughly the same time frame, worth $100,000 less. Part of it's the neighborhood, and it's literally one street over. But yeah. it, it, it does have a big impact. It's the same thing with, with where we live. I mean, you go a couple blocks to the west, they're like that, 100,000 or more than ours. You go a couple blocks to the north, and they're $100,000 less. Or Jeremy's house, where <laughs> yeah. they just built, they just re- so, developed a whole area. When right I say my them. backyard, I literally mean my backyard. They put in a whole new subdivision. They're all million-dollar-plus homes. It my, was just one little farm field. My house was built in the late 90s, so it's okay, and it's in an okay neighborhood. It's the same kind of tract as this but, house. But you've yeah. got million-dollar homes, and then my house, which on a plus note, my right, my value went through sure. the roof. Absolutely. But, but the farther south you go, or, what, or not north. South, north you go, it's going to drop because you don't have these million-dollar houses surrounding you. Right. Right. So, sorry, keep going with, keep going with what you were saying. But yeah, the house that's in the neighborhood on a creek is not valued the same as the house that's in that same neighborhood next to the fire station. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you have to look at all the park. Or or the prison. Well, schools are another big one. Like what school is it next to and what school district is it? School district, school scores, school ratings, all of those things have an effect. Transportation, like how close you are to the bus stop and that kind of thing. Right. Right. All of, all of those things take into effect. And then if someone's selling their house, really honestly, the condition that that specific house is in and the surrounding houses next to it will have an impact on it. And the people well. who think, because I have a pool, my house is worth $50,000 more than my neighbor's. <laughs> Doesn't it make like no difference? It just makes you a little more likely to Very sell because people are like, ooh. You know, or people the, are like, I don't want to yeah, take care of that pool. Say for expense. me. 
If I saw a house with a pool, I would not want it. Me either. Because I don't want to deal with it. I don't want the cost right. upkeep. But pool. you can't just have a big old cement pit. No, <laughs> well, that's so, just it. Because once, the once there's a pool there, getting rid of the pool is very expensive. Doable, right. but a pain. But when the pandemic started, pool houses oh, were yeah. like going oh, for Because you could do something. over. <laughs> yeah. Do something in your backyard. That's so funny. it's like. Right. It depends. It really, really depends. Like when nobody could go out and do anything, if you had a house with a pool, score, your kids were entertained all summer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what is it? I, I want to get to, to your guys's, you know, real estate business. What is it that you guys do that's, that's different than other realtors? Cause I know a bunch of them. I know a bunch through him <laughs> in particular. But well, it's sometimes you have like a really like it's a very personal relationship with your realtor. And if you if you get that relationship, like the like the realtor that sold us this house, when we talk about comps, the reason we know about them so much is because we I bought right before the bubble burst. And so then I was upside down for a really long time. Then I married him and he's like, Well, we can't really do anything unless I pay money to do it. So my ex-husband was like, well, helps my credit score. I don't, I mean, I'll stay on it. But we, every little while I'd say, can you just pull comps? And he was like, sure, no problem. And he would do that for me because like you get that relationship. And then we were like, score, it's finally do it. Let's do it. Let's, <laughs> let's get this taken care of. So it's gotta be partially relationship, but what else do you do that you offer your clients? Well, it, it's all about their relationship. Um, and it's all about training and education. And I got into real estate almost three years ago. I worked for a brokerage that said, oh, we'll help you. We'll train you. We'll do this. Well, I ended up going to coaching programs and going to training programs and taking other courses to actually learn how to do it because it came from a uh, field where I was highly trained. And I expected that kind of training, which I didn't get. And so I can tell you there are more real estate agents out there working than there are houses on the market right now. I don't want to diminish the profession, but it's not hard to get your realtor license. That's right. But it is like very okay right now. It's a trend. It's a, it's a, it's a, it is some work. You do have to do a little bit of studying and you have to take a test, but. It's it's the same when the, when the economy for housing is good, all of these contractors pop up out of nowhere because it's the same thing. Honestly, to get your contractor's it's license, not, hard. not that hard. Yeah. You take the whatever ten week class as long as you pass. With like, but to be good and to make it, I mean, to to honestly to make it a full time business for both of you, mm-hmm. that takes a lot of effort. Right. Well, it's yeah. I mean, because real estate customers are hard to come by. They're not. It's not like a traditional business. You know, if you run a restaurant, this is what a lot of people understand. You run a restaurant and you serve a good burger. That customer might come back next week. Yeah. When you sell someone a home or you sell their home, uh, when you sell their home, you probably got something they're buying on the back end. But once you've you know helped someone buy a home, they're not coming back to you for. Five years, ten years. No, but you have a new family member. Exactly. Right. So, like I said, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's just it. So you you develop that relationship. That same person repeat business. So you have to, and you have to be good enough to get their family, their friends to start coming to you. And so when you ask the question about what we do different, right? What differentiates us from a lot of the other agents, right? And and the way we run our business. So and, and I think Judy is probably better at explaining this than I am. But it's really about the marketing that we do. Um, some of the additional things that we do for our clients that not some agents do, but most agents don't do because it's expensive. And so we've sacrificed some of our profit, if you will, 
because we think it's going to be beneficial in the long run for our customers. And if we benefit our clients, then that, of course, becomes word of mouth. Like you're talking about, we're not going to get the, the, the constant repeat business like a, a, a food a restaurant would, but people will refer so, us to their friends. So what are some of those things that you guys do that you kind of go above and beyond? Well, I, um, I treat every listing like it's a million dollar listing. That's I, nice. Um, I don't differentiate between the condo I sell downtown and the, the listing I just had on Harvard. They all get professional cleaning. They all get professional staging. I have a handyman come in and repair things so that the house is move-in ready. And I advertise. I advertise every single open house I have. I, I put it out there. I have um, advertising on the coming soon. Um, I send my listings advertised. I pay advertising in California. The last listing we had, we had seven people fly in to see it. Um, and I know some people might not appreciate that more people from California are coming in to buy it. But it, it is what it is. I was just going to say, they're going to come in whether you do that, that's it or right. not. I was going right. to ask. So it's calmed down a little bit. But like, let's go December uh, of last year, like like in the middle of COVID. Houses lit. I mean, I had some folks that worked for me that were in the middle of trying to buy a house and literally like this shitty house down the road from us went up sight unseen. They didn't open house it. You had to put in a bid and people were bidding like 30 grand over appraisal. We're driving by it every day going. And I'm like, and, and like one of the guys that works for me was looking for a house at the time. And he's like, we went in to see this thing and like they had carpet padding and no carpet in places like this place was destroyed and they were asking for like 50,000 cash above appraisal and they got it. So <laughs> that's a much different environment. Like you probably weren't staging a lot of homes at that point. You, right? you know, I sold a, a home not too far from here and I did the exact same thing. I, I want to, I want people to appreciate what they buy and I want people to feel taken care of when they sell. Well, and, and, and it doesn't matter to me what the market's doing. I think you should still do the right thing. There you go. Right. Cuz there's it's, a lot it's of It's about being professional. Yeah. Real estate right. agents and car salesmen. I think you should do the get, right thing. Put in the same category. It's really unfortunate and the same with contractors. You get those sleaze balls who give everybody a bad name and it's really frustrating and it's difficult for those of us in the profession that are doing the right thing and are honest and but you get those sleaze balls. And you get guys that flip houses like mine where they wire electrical in the most absurd ways and you find out about it after you cut the corners to make extra money. No, our, our bathroom is hooked to our garage. <laughs> hey, so and our, oh, and our front porch. We couldn't figure out why our front porch wasn't working. And every once in a while would go out. Because the GFI so, in the bathroom. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've all heard the expression <laughs> putting lipstick on a pig. Yeah. And that's that's how they make yeah. their money, but right? Of and, it's it a, is. and some do a great job. And even there, right? Some some oh, yeah. of them are professional. Are. Well, Jeremy was a professional right. flipper for right. a while. That did yeah, but job, there's but... so many, particularly today, that don't do that. It's because they see dollar signs. And they it's just like, cover yeah. everything, make yeah, it pretty. Yeah, that's it. Put paint whole... over everything and yeah. call it good. But yep. they don't even cover it. I mean, I, you go into, and you've probably seen this, you go into homes and the flooring that they do doesn't even go all the way to the wall. Yeah. Right? The base, yeah. It doesn't reach the baseboards. Yeah. I mean, it's yep. cabinets just don't garbage. 
and they're, they're selling for insane amounts because of the way the market is. There's no inventory. Yeah, when you when you professionally stage houses, I've always been curious because you are, like our house, there's a lot of shit in my house. And, <laughs> and I know like if I was to sell this house and I really wanted to, to, to do a good impression, we would have to vacate a lot of things and, and adjust stuff. But is that something, you know, when you stage a house like that, are you... Having the homeowners like shove all our crap in a storage unit or like a pod, put it all in, in one room, photograph that room, and then move it all back. Well, no, because people have to come and look. But no, that's what happened when we sold our other house. Is he's like, okay, you don't have to do a lot of stuff. It was in pretty good shape, but he's like, this room is too full of furniture, so you need to take this. And if we only needed to rent like it, I think it was like a five by ten. You know, it wasn't a big, but he's just like, just take some of this bigger stuff out. Like, would this room show really well with the, <laughs> the sweet spaceship If you're curtain? into space, travel. <laughs> you know, that's... Sure. that's a bunch of storage. Yeah. To be fair, that's hiding some shelving with a bunch of kitchen stuff because my kitchen's <laughs> too small for me, but... <laughs> it works for you. It does. And so enjoy your home when you live in it. But when you're ready to sell, you want to think of a model home. Like when you walk into a model home... It, there's nothing personal in a model home. It is designed to make everybody feel comfortable and so everyone can imagine themselves living there, no matter what their style is. So you want to pack away pretty much all your stuff. Do you like, add, this do would you, need to be a bedroom again. Do you advise them to switch back to the original picture the frames came with? <laughs> <laughs> all the stock photos I, on the wall. I would only put things on the wall that are like a landscape. So no family pictures, no, no calendars, no nothing too specific. Uh, no real, no trophies, yeah, geometric shapes Take and landscapes. Crap off your refrigerator. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate that anyway. The fact that I have magnets on my fridge right now bothers me. What's really, really great for us is when someone has already moved out of the house, and then we can have professional stages come in, bring the furniture, bring the decor. And we can have it painted. Yeah, that clean. Makes it so do you, when, when you have professional stagers come in and do that for like an empty home, is this all stuff that you guys own as part of your business or this, is the staging company you're running it all from the, I, hire I hire them. Yeah. And you know, a lot of agents will say, Oh, I'll pay for a stager to come in and give you a consultation and they'll pay a hundred dollars for a stager to come and tell you what to do. Um, and the, one of the things that I do differently is I feel like I, I'm going to take care of that. I, I think that that's the right thing for me to do to so market for their the home. I pay for that, the staging. That's big. That's it a is, huge. It's deal. huge. It's it's a lot. Um, you're even on the tiny houses. Even on the tiny yep. house, but it makes it, a big what, difference. What's the smallest Stage. house you've sold? Oh. I what was it? Four hundred square feet? Not even three sixty. I think it was. Or so it was an actual tiny, tiny home. It was. It was. Yeah, a, it, it was, was a, a condo. condo. Oh, it was a condo. Okay. But if it's staged well, even in this market. You're going to get more money for it because if somebody can walk into it and imagine themselves in this space, but if you have what well, on the listing is a bedroom and you walk in and there's a bed and a massive TV and a computer, people are like, I just well, even a vacant house though. Cause we bought this vacant and I see, I can see things. So like I can picture things before they're, they're there. Dead people. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but Chris can't like I can literally. Show him something and say, "Oh, it looks just like this, only black." And he'll see, say, "I need to see the black one." Right? Like he can't, he can't <laughs> see it. So if you get somebody into a vacant house, you're like, "This is great. It's a blank slate." Some people go in and go, "Oh, I don't like that house. It 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 didn't feel welcoming or whatever." 
I don't have that problem, but I could Most totally make it like a hotel room. Like when you come in, there's you there's room to put all your stuff. You could rearrange things however you wanted. So you go, oh look, look, this is a livable oh, space. My it's dresser clean. would fit there, right? Yeah. You want to show them how they would be living there. Uh, show a lifestyle. So every room has a purpose, and then you know, show how you would use the backyard. Put some patio furniture out there. Yeah. Whatever, whatever your favorite room is, whatever your favorite room to do in the house, just show that lifestyle and it will attract people. So what's the, how do I put this? The funnest or most interesting listing and or client that you've worked with oh. or the funnest to, you know what I mean? Oh, I think he has one. He's making a face. <sighs> I'm thinking Say about it. a house. I, I was working with an investor and he wanted to see a home. Uh, it was in Magna. Oh, um, and one of those underground houses. Not no, fun to me. No, no. And Magnus got some sweet homes. They've got <laughs> they've got the basements with a roof. There's quite a few of those right? out there. They've got they've got homes in downtown Magna that have hard foam, OBS board, plywood, <laughs> so cardboard, yep. no siding on it. Yes. All in the same house. OSB. Whatever. Yes. Yeah, so, so this house uh, was was listed for less than a hundred thousand. And so this individual is like, where do we, I want to go see that. Like, that might be a great opportunity. So I get out there and, you know, I talked to the agent. The was the meth lab first. still in it? Well, so, so, so there was, there was caution tape around the house and there was these postings, you know, health department, do not enter. But we were told we can go in. Uh, there are no locks on the doors. So I walk in and it looked a little bit like maybe a hoarder had been there, but wasn't sure. It was just everything was kind of a mess, but it wasn't anything say, oh, this is why the health department wasn't like wasn't a murder there. scene and tape and well, so, oh, so, so, after we, so after we left, it's Magna. I contact the, I said, ask the agent, so why is it that, you know, this was kind of like tagged as, you know, do not enter? And he said, well, there, there, uh, there was a body in there that someone had died and, and it had been there for, for like three weeks and it started oh. to seep into the floors. Oh. I'm like, uh-huh. You couldn't have told me that before <laughs> I went. But here's the thing. You can replace the flooring. Right. Well, you can. You can, right? But it's Biohazard. definitely stigmatized, right? I mean, so, so Magna, anyway, man. that's the one that comes to mind when Look, you ask about interesting. I lived in Magna on, like, I, I lived there sort of for like four months. I, I was staying with my, my ex's, like, mom. Um, and I would say twice a month there were SWAT team in the front yard because of a meth house somewhere on the street. <laughs> like, I mean, she lived in the shitty part of Magna, Ma- by the golf course, like Magna Main Street, that area that's just the worst part of Magna. So, but without maybe giving too much detail, Otto, do you have names, a story? What was the worst? No, I want to, I want to, oh, you want her best, story. Uh, but most interesting. I don't know. They're, uh, I love all of them. So it's, I, every, every person I get to help, I really like that process. And I, I like thinking that I made an impact in their life. So really, I just liked all of them. <laughs> yeah, but it might have been that small condo downtown. Oh, yeah. That, that's so. pretty. That's a small 300 square feet. Yeah. yeah. So square feet. Uh, a closet. And right. she staged it and she did you know, professional, did professional photos, videography video. and sent the videos out. And that, that, it got so much attention. <laughs> I was going to say, didn't Brighton do that yeah. one? Yeah, so yeah, I yeah, saw yeah, him yeah, making yeah, yeah. the video. It yeah. was a really cute little place. Uh, I yeah. mean, I love that space and the fact it, so it is super small and it doesn't really even have a real kitchen. It has like a bar and everything. So it's a loft, like a real loft. It, that's, Cause that's what a, that's what a real loft apartment is, is it's one room. Yeah. yeah, but it had a, it had a, like the base room where, where the kitchen was a spiral staircase up oh. to the bedroom. So, and it was a mixed use space. You could actually run your business out of it as well. 
And it was uh, highly, it was super popular, probably. So, yeah. and, and it was also important to you because it was so emotional for the yeah. seller, right? That's it really so cool. Much, it was that's, a really cool that's story there. So, train wreck story. <laughs> I wouldn't, no, not a train wreck. No, 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 just, not that. I want we a train want, wreck story. We want the oh, worst oh, person want, or the worst house. No, just ever tra- just, I mean, every, every, Moving is so stressful and so hard. And when you have timelines and deadlines and everything like that, it just gets like, it's painful to move. I hate moving. I, so, you know, when you see people going through that, that's always the hardest part. But you haven't. So have you ever had like a hoarder house where like you've gone in and, and they're like, I need to sell this. And it's literally paths in the house Not that yet. you have to do. O- only taking buyers through them, but we haven't had a listing. Yeah. Oh. I, I've, I, we've seen some. But we have not. You've not that had would to just sell terrify me. Yeah, you know it. You have to do what you have to do, and every everybody's different. Everybody's situation is different. Like if you are older and She's you so cannot nice. move your <laughs> stuff, that's what you're, that's where you're going to be. So, at. I'm just not that. I'm just not that nice. I'm like like I lived across. That's the street why from you're a, not working this job. Well, when I was out <laughs> in Taylorsville, I lived across the street from a house that caught on fire, and the house literally didn't burn. Like it. It burned and it was a total loss, but there was so it much stuff. It couldn't actually collapse because there was so much stuff. Wow. Uh, and now there's a beautiful new house yeah, there. Yeah, they totally tore it down. But, but like that's I mean, that's the reality of it. Like, there was too much stuff to actually burn. <laughs> it was insane. So I have a question. So when I was selling my house, we had like a buyer lined up and everything and we packed and we were getting ready to buy the house and then like it fell through and it sucked and then I didn't want to pack and it was Christmas time and like, and I literally waited until like every paper was signed and then I had to like rush pack. What do you do when something like that happens when you're like, you're, you're going full force and at the very last second, one of the sides kind of backs out and there's disappointment and frustration because now your, your seller is stuck with their house and they can't move on to get to maybe the house that they found and that, that deal might fall through. I sure that happens. It does happen. And so, especially now you're with multiple offers. You should have three really great ones to choose from. Like twenty right now. Well, well so well, I, I, I don't know. So six months ago, you we, did. We so. get seventeen offers, but you're going to have two or three that really, really stand out. And so you're going to, you know, say what's the highest and best. We're going to figure out where where our highest offer is, and we're going to accept our best offer with the best terms that our buyer or our seller wants from the best qualified buyer. We want to know that this buyer can perform on what they say they can. So the lender is, you have to follow up with that lender and say, is this accurate? Do they qualify for this? Is this going to, are these terms acceptable? How far do you have this buyer qualified? And then you want to say, okay, so they're going to come up with 20% down. Where are those funds coming from? Do you have proof of those funds? So you know that that buyer can actually perform. So that's your first step. Highest bid doesn't necessarily no, mean if they can't pay for it, then it doesn't. If well, they won't qualify for that loan, if they're not going to be able to perform on what they say they they can do, then it does you no well, good. Well, like what I was talking about, you know, what was going on last year, like people, I mean, literally, people were giving twenty, thirty thousand dollars cash because a bank won't approve a loan for right. over the appraisal. True, and they that's were having to buy because the market had not increased in terms of value of homes as fast as they were actually growing in value. It's still not. It can't keep up with it. Yeah. Because it's it's a really... Th- this is, you, Thank goodness for my taxes, though. We talked about maybe talking about the bubble a little bit. This is not 
the same kind of bubble that we had no, in 2008. No. 2008 was, for people that don't understand, the housing bubble in 2008 was bad lending. It was banks approving people for loans they should have never been approved interest for. Interest only. Yeah, interest only or adjustable rates. Yeah. And like banks were, were just, they had all this money sunk into homes that people couldn't afford. Right. They're giving people million dollar loans that should have had no business. And then when things got tough and people couldn't afford their houses, they were all being you know, foreclosed on and repoed and the banks couldn't sell them. And so they had all these assets that were just, you know, they were just worth so much less. This is, there was 8 million foreclosures. Yeah. It was insane. It was insane. insane. You could buy houses for pennies on the dollar back then. And so, but this is a different situation in particular in Utah, like with the vacancy rates that we have so low, like, this is actual need. We just don't have the houses to meet the demand. It's supply and demand, right? It's, it's basic economics. And, and that's helping keep the market alive across the country, not just in Utah. Utah's stronger than much of the country, but one of the top it, five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so in fact, uh, someone had sent me, uh, uh, some data yesterday for, I believe it was from the National Association of Realtors and it listed the top, uh, states in the country, uh, for increases in property valuation. And Utah was number two. Yeah. Uh, I think Arizona, I want to say Arizona was number one. We were number two. Idaho was number three. We're all at 27%. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's all the intermountain region. So it's Utah, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and Colorado. Yeah, yeah actually, been. Florida was number four. Um, oh, they were well. they were like twenty six and a half percent or thanks, something. Thanks to their COVID regulations, is my guess. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there might be some of that, and, and also just I think weather and things. Right? People are saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm moving." Hey, I want to move Cal- somewhere where a hurricane might happen. So, well, so Maybe, so, right? so the interesting thing is that even people from California are moving to Florida, yeah, which isn't a- isn't common. It's not what we typically would see, right? You see people from the Northeast moving to Florida, but now you're seeing people even from California because of the tax rates. Yeah. Well, and then other things in California, like the fires Yeah. a couple of years ago that were horrible. Well, let's be honest, though. It's not the fires that are causing people to leave California. It's it's the obscene tax rates. Cost of it's living. The, it's California. The cost yeah. of living. Like, yeah. you can pay Traffic. ridiculous income and property tax in California, or you can sell your home, move to Texas, buy a freaking mansion, and still have cash, and have no property tax and have no income tax. Yeah. So they have property tax, just not income tax. Yeah. And it's, it's a, you know, that's, that happens. Yeah. Well, and especially with working from home has become such a huge thing that a lot of people are like, well, I can live anywhere I want with right. my job. So what, so why wouldn't I look at the best places to live to get the most value out of my money? Especially when you live in an 800 square foot home that costs $2 million <laughs> in, in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can move here and buy a 4,000 square foot home and still have equity sitting in your bank account at that point. And you know, what you guys talk about with building wealth, like that's how or you buy build an wealth. investment property yeah. at the same time you buy a place for you or to live in. Like I've exactly. got a guy that I work with that moved back to South Carolina and they decided they're going to keep their house and rent it here. Because it's just, it's just worth yeah. it. The other thing too is even with, even though interest rates have moved up, they're still very low. Oh, they're still really low. Right. So it's so, not going to get back to 13% for a while. Like I, it would be catastrophic. But yeah. people are going <laughs> to complain about four. Oh, yeah. Oh, and well, then, yeah. When, <laughs> when we bought our first house 20 something years ago, I think we were like 6%. I yeah. want to say I was well, at like 625. Like and that was, look here. That's still good. Here's that my, com- was... here's, here's my complaint about four. I'm never going to get back down to the rate that we're at now. As soon as they start going up, I highly doubt it's ever going to be back to this rate. Like this is so absurdly low yeah. that I'm not going to be able to refinance without taking a hit that I don't want to take. So, so what you do is you keep this house, you rent it yeah. out and, buy and you go buy one. a new one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm curious from you guys. I have a couple questions that I want to ask because I think it's really important as we talk about buying and selling homes um, from a from a, a real estate agent's perspective. Because I know there's some some you know tips and tricks that a lot of mortgage brokers wish people knew. But what's the one thing that you wish every prospective buyer that you work with would do for you or would do in general? Hmm. Well, I wish that they would know exactly what they need and focus on their needs. Because when you walk into a bunch of homes, there's going to be something shiny that's going to be distracting. Mm -hmm. And you might, you know, fall in love with this kitchen and not see the rest of the house. So you need to forget that the rooms are too small for your 10 kids or something. (laughs) Right. So you you need to have your list of must have, must not have. And if the house doesn't check off your boxes, don't go see it. I, and I know that it's hard when there's no inventory and there's this, but be prepared to wait for the house you want. Make sure it checks off all your needs and make sure it's in a location that you want because the location you cannot change. Uh, right. The I'll, carpet can be changed. If you live there's in gangland, you're you going to be paint. in gangland. Yeah. You can there's a it. lot of things you can change. The location you cannot change. So that you know, needs to be a big factor. You need to know where you want to live and, and focus on that area and then focus on does the house fit your needs. What about you, Orfeo? Do you have something else? Um, I, no, I think what G said is probably number one. I think number two might just be get, get pre-approved before you start the process, right? right? You know what you can go. afford. Um, yeah, have all your, your kind of ducks in a row and, right? it, and, and, t- and talk and to it, your realtor about that. If you, if you're not sure, what does that look like? So they can kind of help you through it. And, and it doesn't hurt. This is the thing, guys, like, it doesn't hurt to check like the most what's the worst they're going to say you have to do x y and z to get to a point where you can buy a home and then you know you know versus where you're at now which is i have no idea and i just don't think i qualify the other thing that that i think is important if you qualify for five hundred thousand, you don't have to spend five hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah that's, right. that's like your maximum. And, and there's no room. There's, if something bad happens, there's a type of poverty called house poor, <laughs> where you literally well, pay for your house and nothing else. And, and I see that a lot. Where I design homes for people, they build their dream house. It's got no furniture. They can't even put blinds on the windows because they qualified for 600000 and they spent six hundred and twenty. So now they live in their, their dream house with, with a no, mattress on the floor. There's going to be a while And also understand that real estate is a long-term investment. Yes. Right. I mean, it's not yes, people flip homes, but but right now people are getting away with it because of the market, right? The way the market's moving. They can they can do it in a, in a poor way and still make money. At some point, that's going to catch up to them, right? Yeah, it always so, does. So people need to remember that when they buy a home, it's not, well, I want to sell it next year. Well, you may not make money next year. You want right? you want to be in it five to 10 years. Yeah, it's a long-term investment. It's a long game, not a short game. Okay, so along those same lines, what's the one thing that you wish sellers would do? Call us three months before they're ready to sell. <laughs> Give us time to make sure their their home and their yard is looking really good, so that it markets well. Just yeah. You mean not? I need to sell this next week. Yeah. Next oh, week and by is- the way, I want five hundred thousand for it, even though it's probably not even worth close to that. <laughs> My neighbor's yard next door. There's no yard in the backyard. There have been like. It, I don't know if grass will grow there because the dogs that they have have re- just completely wrecked Ew. it. 
Yeah. I'm really hoping this new person <laughs> who actually seemed to do a bunch of work before he moved in is going to fix it because the guy before had all these grandiose plans and didn't. And the people that lived there when we, when I moved here, it was this lovely old oh couple God. and they took immaculate, immaculate care. care of, the, and there was this big, huge tree and I had like all the, and then the people came there like, we want to back our stuff in here and they pulled out this tree and then the yard started falling into he it because they didn't plan that. He almost dropped and, his transmission trying oh to pull my. out the tree stump. Yeah. What about what about you, Orfeo? Do you have one that you wish people would do on the on the sale on yeah. se- for sellers? Um, I, I, again, I think Judy hit on the on the primary one. Uh, another one would probably be um, understanding that just because someone down the street sold their house for again five six hundred thousand whatever the number is doesn't mean yours is worth that much, right? You have to look at it objectively and say, okay. What's the square footage? What's the curb appeal? What, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that play into, uh. What did Zillow say your house is? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that could be a problem too, right? Sometimes they rely on that. Zillow said it's worth it. two million. I am nosy as shit. I'll get on MLS listings and just look at the pictures of my well, neighbor's yeah. houses. Like, sure. What the hell does this look like inside? Well, I would say my, terrible. <laughs> That's creepy. The lion's share of your open house is the first two days. It's all the neighbors. They're not interested in buying. They just want to see. <laughs> we purposely <laughs> invite them during the week. So. So that when the open house happens, they're not. I would say they can get the nosies out. Yeah, yeah. yeah we get. The, I'm gonna go look. I just want to look at the pictures. Yeah, yeah we get the, the. We do a neighbor open house, yeah. and and the interesting thing is on this last property, uh, we had people stop in that weren't neighbors. They saw people going in the the signs up in front already, so they're they start they walked in too, which was fine. You know, it's just extra exposure for the for the seller, and that's okay. But yeah, it was fun. So we got one more question for you guys, and then we'll let you tell everyone how to get a hold of you. Um, you guys have made uh, a life here, and um, you know you've been here forever, Judy. Uh, and you have too, honestly. It's a long time. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. Say they've both been here. You've been, long. you've been here almost like, as long lived, as I was going to say. When you've lived here more than half your life. Yeah, you've been here longer than she's been alive. So that that says a lot. <laughs> That's right. Um, Hi. <laughs> uh, what's what's one? Uh, what's the most interesting or unique thing that you guys have discovered about Utah in in your time here? You each, you each get to say something, by the way. Yeah. They're thinking. See, we need thinking music. Uh, In in my opinion, I think that Utah is a place where you can do something outdoors 365 days out of the year. I think that's one of the things that makes it so desirable for people living in other states. Because yes, we have winter and we have summer and we're either hot or we're cold, but literally there's something to do every single day. You won't run out of fun things to do here. We also have fall and spring, which some places don't get all four seasons. It might only be for a couple of days, but we still get Sometimes it's... You get 10 inches of snow yeah, after a 60-degree day. If it's winter up here, it goes south three or four hours, <laughs> and you're, you know what I mean? So Back in spring. Wait five days, and you've got a different yep, yep. different weather completely. What about you, Orphan? Um, so, so, obviously, there's coming from California, there's some definite differences between Utah yeah. uh, culturally, culturally uh, compared to California and, and, and things like that. But I think over the 30 years I've lived here, what I – what really stands out to me is just the growth and the diversity of job opportunities, uh, even diversity of the culture. I mean, even the culture has changed in the last 30 years. That's why we um, do the podcast. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, and it's, it's really, it's fun to see. It's interesting. Um, I think it makes it enjo- an enjoyable place to live. It's still a very clean city. Um, sure. We have growing pains just like any other larger city. Um, 
but it's still a great place. And like Judy said, you know, with all the outdoor activities, it's uh, very high on the list of places for millennials to move to. Uh, there's a lot of the tech Bring industry, me the young people. And it, yeah. There's very few places that you would not recommend someone move, I would assume, like neighborhood wise. Uh, we still that, that's that's their choice, right? We don't. <laughs> Except for don't don't sell the opposite corner. If you hear about something bad happening in Kearns, it's over there. Yeah. <laughs> when I say when I say I'm gangland, not, I mean the opposite side like, of our neighborhood. Like that's where all the I, yeah. I like their comment about clean though, because you got cities like Portland that are just gross, <sighs> so nasty. I mean, yeah. it's it, we don't. I mean, yeah, there's parts of in Salt Vegas Lake, but, where all the. Sidewalks but are just black. generally speaking, Salt Lake is a clean... I think really the people town. here care. Even the people who don't care, care somewhat about where they are. It's yeah. only unclean except that it... Whoa. The only unclean thing is the air. <laughs> so yeah. if you well, have asthma, maybe don't come here. I mean, realistically, that's just a, a factor of how many we people live are living here and the fact that our geography and it, it just... Just everything gets stuck in here. That's yeah. how it works, so... Yeah, yeah but it's like Judy said, you just go up in the mountains. And- so <laughs> if people want to buy or sell and, and want to get in contact with you guys, how do they do that? Or just want to have a chat with you on a personal so we, level? We have a website that they can go and, and, and check on the website, www.thelatitudegroupre.com. You can text me. I mean, I keep my, my, everybody has a cell phone. That's the fastest way to get to a person. Do you have more than one cell phone? Cause like I, realtors, like everyone has She's their number. She's got a burner phone. Yeah. The qu- well, the question is, do you have like, Here's my work phone, and here's my phone for the people so I care about. So you just about. get two numbers on your phone. You I, just get I like do, an app. I do have a phone that's attached to my computer. It's a number that's attached to my computer that yeah. people can just text. I, it just sends text messages on my computer, but that's just one specific thing. And I think we have another phone that's just the business, people can yeah. call and leave messages for the business on that phone, but my cell phone is really the fastest way to get me. And then, of course, DM on Instagram or whatever. Yeah, I get I Instagram and Facebook Messenger. That's a great way to get a hold of me. And the, so the Latitude Group um, is on Facebook and Instagram. And YouTube. And YouTube. Nice. Well, thank you guys. We'll link them. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been actually a lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you. Enjoyed it too. Thank you. Said actually like it wasn't going to be fun. <laughs> you never know. Hey, some of with, them are a little bland. With real estate, you never know what you're going to get. Well, thanks so much to our guests, uh, Orfeo and Judy Kustrensich. <laughs> I think I got it right. I key. don't. I do. I do. Maybe. I wrote it down. I said it the same way. Stitch. Not Sitch. No, Sitch. Sitch. I'm just going to so make me you fuck it up the second time. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I got to be honest, like real estate agents, you know, you get them and I'm like, mm, I don't know, it's going to be fun. But it was actually a really great conversation. They were great. They, She's so super nice. Yeah, she did not want to say anything bad. No. You could see it in her eyes. Like, even when I'm trying to ask, what was the train wreck? She was still she so clearly, polite. She yeah. clearly had stories, but she's just not going to say them. But, I think she that doesn't that's awesome. bad mouth anyone. But yeah. that's very polite. Well, and that's the thing. That's what that's what makes a, a, a good agent. I've never some heard of, her say a negative thing about anyone before. Some of the stuff she was talking about that they do, I mean, like, I'm not going to use them as a real estate agent because we have one that is amazing and has done amazing stuff for us and we're probably not going to sell our house until we die anyway so maybe maybe we'll maybe, maybe we'll get too old and can't go up maybe the we'll move to florida and rent this no. house from a distance mm-hmm. i don't know 
but, <laughs> but that's what makes a good real estate agent is, is having someone that, that, does, no, like she said, no matter what, you know, well, this 300 square foot or 5,000 square foot. And she clearly cares. So that's yeah, nice. Clearly. I mean, the fact that they pay for staging, that's an obscene cost. That's huge. They do like, a lot of ad, not advertising. They do a lot of educating on their pages well, and stuff too. Instead of gatekeeping, they teach you how to do what they do. Like she was saying, most realtors are like, well, I'll give you a consultation. I'll pay for the consultation for someone to come talk to you about staging house. That's way different but, than yeah, actually. But paying for staging. someone to actually Even stage it. Even for a tiny little apartment like condo. Awesome. Well, it makes a huge difference to actually go through because pay the consultant and then have to pay to stage it afterwards. People don't pay and they just make a few changes. But the difference is significant and sometimes can make a huge difference in overall price at the end. Right. So that's a that's or, a really cool or thing. Or the speed at which your house yeah. is sold. Yeah, which which is, you know, important. Time so. is money too. So anyway, thanks to them for, for joining us. Um, let us know what you think about the show. You can follow us on social media at TNU Podcasts on all the platforms. Uh, we mostly pay attention to them. So let us know what you think. Um, you can see all of the blogs at thenewutah.com. We're pretty caught up. I'm one blog behind that I've had for a while, so I need to, to get that one up there. But uh, hopefully, uh, you like some of the changes that we've been making. We've been, we, you know, we try to keep the show fresh and, and do some different stuff. So we like the changes. Um, yeah, have a, uh, have a good week. Stay safe. Cause, uh, winter number two is here officially for Utah. Um, second winter, as I like to call it. I actually have to go out and drive in this tomorrow and Thursday. Yeah, me too. Me too. So. We all do, I think. I don't know if I've ever said that out loud, but it is second winter because Utah always does that. We have, yeah. you know, winter and snowfall in the fall uh, in like November, December, December time frame. We don't get anything in January. January is always a really But it's dry, usually cold and still snowy. Cold and snowy. This year it hadn't really we, been snowy. We typically will get a couple storms in February, but we almost always get a spring snow. Don't get a like little bit of a warm up to our... And then, bam. Oh, also, I don't want to forget for people that listen to this on the regs and pick it up at 1 a.m. on, you know, Wednesday morning that Julia likes to point out. Because she's the only fucking insane person that listens to it that early. Um, but I got an alarm. But uh, it is it is daylight savings this week. No. So we get to uh, experience another level of stupidity. Uh, so Yay, let's lose an hour. Oh, and Falk Hogan has some dates come up. I just want. Oh to yeah, yeah. Let's throw those out. There. Are they on here? And yeah, I, just I put them. them yep, uh, I put them on there under events. Yeah. So oh, uh, also right now, uh, the neighborhood hive is officially open for their soft opening yep. stuff. So go experience that. Uh, and Falk Hogan, go ahead and. Spit okay, on. so uh, final night at Lighthouse Lounge, March 9th. So by the time you hear this, it's most this weekend. Oh, it's yeah. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, they're gonna have a lot of shows. It's the seventeenth. That's going to be a fun yeah, one. Yeah, but it's it's St. Patrick's Day, so around St. Patrick's Day, they get tons of bookings because... Chris they're... actually asked me, he's like, when's St. Patrick's Day? I'm like, 17th, same as always, yeah, I right? I can remember. <laughs> so, uh, Funkin' Dive, March 11th. Piper Down, March 12th. The Cabin, March 17th. St. Patrick's Day. And Bar Name Sue, the State Street one. March 19th. The one out in Sandy. Yeah. The one by Rio Tinto. Midvale, whatever it is. And uh, what's our card of the day? Julia, just pull one. I'm going to take the She's last doing purple it. one. Just keep doing it. Take the last purple well, one. Hurry up. we got to okay. finish the show. It says, get the fuck out of your head. Get in your heart. It misses you. Aww. Get the fuck out of your head. I thought I was just going to say, get the fuck out, because we we're trying to end. <laughs> yeah. So listen to your heart. Um, stop being a shithead to it. 
Listen to your heart, that's what I always do.